What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I wanted to just throw this in in the beginning. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That really helps our numbers. Check out the merch store at brennantcomedy.com slash merch store to get your ex-drinking buddy merch. And if you really want to, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash brennantassif. That really helps me out. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Grab me a beer and grab him a coat. We about to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. Brandon Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. Brandon Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. There is going to be a graphic there, I promise. Cool. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. <laughs> if you're new to the program, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do. Hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, get in all sorts of trouble, and then reminisce about those crazy stories. I am sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Hang out with someone and reminisce about the crazy old days. Most weeks I'll be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from New York City, Katie Blunt. What's up? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm great. Fantastic. Well, <laughs> pl- before we get too far into anything, plug everything up front. I know you have the the monthly show and everything like that. So let everyone know where they can find you. Oh, yeah. I've got a monthly. Um, uh, well, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. I have a kid-friendly, family-friendly comedy yeah, show. Called, cookies and milk. Yeah, milk and cookies. That's what I said. Same thing. Yeah, um, and it's at Westside Comedy Club. And our next one is going to be uh, June. Oh no, July, July 9th. So you are doing another. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've been doing it since October. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Been- Plug uh, your social media. Where can people follow you? Oh yeah, follow me at Katie Blunt, cat underscore i e Blunt. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really mean for it to be like that. It just kind of. You'll see me move around a little right. bit. Just mm-hmm. I am the sound engineer. So cool. We got to do it all. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to have you on the show because some of the stuff you talk about on stage, I was like, hell yeah, let's fucking talk <laughs> oh, about <yeah>. it. <laughs> um, like the rehabs and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so before we get too far into the stories, the ex drinking mm-hmm. buddy stories, I wanted to kind of figure out how you got into comedy. You're not originally from New York, I take it. Yeah. You I are? Guess I, no, 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 I'm okay. not. But I've been I've been in New York for like 12, almost 13 years. OK, I so what? So, yeah. What drew you into stand up as like an art form or as like a job that you do now? Like, how did you even get into comedy? Oh, that's so interesting. You know, I was just thinking about this, actually. I was a teacher uh, during the pandemic, and I think I got really burnt out with teaching. Yeah. Um, I tutor now, so I still I still tutor. I have a couple of classes that I teach, but it's really. um, And when you say teaching, do you mean elementary school, high school? I taught seventh grade, eighth grade and like two or three college level classes per okay. semester that I was just like an adjunct lecturer teaching at FIT, like the Fashion Institute. OK. Um, but what I, did you teach? I taught climate change and uh, the science of color. And there was one of like intro bio, just okay. like STEM subjects, science subjects. So you're a scientist. Mm-hmm. That's what people say, but I don't know if that, I don't know if scientist. I What's up now, everybody? <laughs> oh, it's always comics. It's just com- I have a scientist on coming for you, Rogan. So <laughs> let's talk climate change. Uh, no. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so you're doing this. So obviously you're comfortable in front of people. You're comfortable talking. And then how did you find stand up? And the reason I ask is because mm-hmm. I'll preface it this way: I have a lot of guests 
I've had a lot of guests and it's been from anything from I really liked attention and the easiest way to get it was to go to open mics. Uh-huh. Like they don't really care about comedy. They never, but they were just happen to be good at it. Yeah. And then I have people like myself who are very pretentious and like I, you know, <laughs> read all of Lenny Bruce's books and autobiographies and I was like comedy is an art form and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So the, it's definitely a range. Yeah. So how would you describe your introduction into comedy as far as stand up? Um, I think I really, I thought I was just, it was going to be a hobby and a place to find friends. Okay. I think that was my initial intention with it. And why did I, you pick stand up out of everything you could do as a hobby? I, I broke up with somebody. Okay. And I, and, and she was super creative and I saw her everywhere at all these different like creative things that I would do. So, Cause I used to take like, uh, singing classes, screenwriting classes, um, music production classes, acting classes, okay. all these things with her just for yeah. fun. Oh, that's and, awesome. And, that's uh, a very, that's super cool. And I just knew she hated dark and sticky places. So it was like, she'll <laughs> never find me down here. She'll ne- <laughs> <laughs> so, Do you still talk to her? Um, no. Okay. Sadly. The reason I ask is because that's going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> Dark and sticky place. She'll never find me down here. <laughs> She'll never. She won't. Yeah. No, that's true. Uh, so <laughs> I guess the root of what I'm asking, though, is mm-hmm. how did you even, was it just from doing all the creative stuff with her that you found stand-up? Yeah. Because it is a niche yeah. art form. That's true. That's true. I think it was a combination of things. It was partly like I want to have some kind of creative output outlet yeah and then i had a, a therapist that kept laughing at me and she was like you should try stand up oh really <laughs> yeah i felt like we got to this point where it was like very clear that she wasn't gonna help me and i should just <laughs> you should <laughs> just go yeah i should just talk about the stuff that was happening on <laughs> into a microphone and that would you know might as well yeah so then you start doing the because you're all in now oh yeah yeah so that's why i also i find it fascinating that you went because you said you were doing you this was all post pandemic yeah so within the last two years you fully invested into this situation oh yeah like a year and a half is how long i've been doing it i uh i think at after doing comedy for like six months i put all my stuff in storage and went to los angeles for two months to try comedy out there just to try a different scene god that's so ballsy it was fun yeah it was it was it was intense it was hard too it was uh i didn't yeah you don't say i didn't have the money for it I shouldn't have done it. When I think back on it, I'm like, I can't believe I was very hungry. Yeah. But I, I felt like I fit in in Los Angeles. So it kind of works out. Yeah. Know? So um, did you um, when did you start producing the Milk and Cookie show? That was October. OK. So that was. Oh, 10 yeah. You did say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. OK. So then but my first shows were in May. My, I produced my first show five months in in my backyard and when I was living on the Upper West Side. So what? I The reason I'm asking is because mm-hmm. this is. This is a very intense sort of introduction. Now, would you attribute that to were you just like, for lack of a better word, addicted to doing stand up or yes. would you? OK, I would, and I would that I didn't like want to skate around it, folks. That's the perfect word for it. Yeah. I feel like it's it's very, I'm in the same boat, obviously. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's such an immediate reward. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, right away what's happening, if it's going well or if it's going poorly. And I think you have to be like a little bit comfortable with abuse i feel like yeah you have to be like a little you have bit to be a masochist yeah with uh, i wouldn't say a little bit comfortable so you gotta be a lot of bit comfortable <laughs> with abuse just because what happens mm-hmm. you know you have a sorry i'm gonna turn the ac on because okay. i'm sweating okay um you have these shows that can go so horribly wrong yeah and that's what pushes a lot of people out i had a guest on the other i was james this uh last mm-hmm. week and he was talking about there's this comic she was really good and she was killing it and then she got on a show that was a little bit too big and then mm-hmm. she was just gone 
because the experience was so traumatizing and that's Mm -hmm. and i've noticed that with a a lot of people just since i started in 09 where people are like in and then you just never see them again yeah and it's weird because it takes a certain kind of person to be like oh that sucked that made me want to kill myself (laughs) i can't wait to do it again tomorrow (laughs) because maybe it'll go differently yeah so for you starting comedy you were just Mm -hmm. all in and then you're like well i'm i was also terrible i feel like that's it's so crazy to me that i was so all in because i was so bad at it um but i think yeah there's just some sorry i'll let you no no no, that's this is what i'm trying to get to yeah yeah just that it's like i was i was awful and I felt bad. I think the first mic I ever did, I literally froze on stage. I remember my voice did this. <laughs> like it made that like that sound where yeah. you like lose your voice. And I looked at the light and I couldn't see any. Like it was, I just looked into the light. This was the first mic you ever did? The first mic I ever did. Where was it? This is Eastville. Okay. Um, and I went up right after this guy told me. he. <laughs> there were very few other women there, yeah. which is like it's always a mic in the, New York, the norm. Yeah. yeah. But uh, this this particular one, there were very few women, and I was wearing a cable knit sweater, and some guy was like, look at this Abercrombie and Fitch girl over here. He's like, somebody's going to find you in the dumpster tomorrow. Or so. Jesus like, Christ. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I was a little bit intimidated by that, but then, I don't know, I, I forgot all of my lines. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was really, it felt really weird. Um that still happens. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, yeah, it I happens forget. to me. Mm. I've been, like I said, doing comedy for a long time and I've been back in and sober for the last five years now. Uh-huh. And I will get, uh, sometimes I will do a show and I will think, and it's very humbling, which is good, but I'll be like, I'm above this show. Like, what am I doing <laughs> here? Which is hilarious because I don't get mm. on hardly any show. So it's like, shut right. the fuck up. No, but, no, that's great. I would love to feel that way. But well, someday. sometimes I, and then I'll get on stage, be like, yeah. I don't need a set list. Like I'm just going to murder and go home. And then I get on stage <laughs> and I forget everything that I want to talk about. And I end up doing yeah. jokes that are like, so like from five years ago that I don't want to do anymore. But uh-huh. those are the ones that pop into my head. Cause I know them so well. And it's yeah. like, then I'll get off stage and be like, yeah, you're a piece of shit. Like, don't ever think you're better than anything ever. Yeah. Like you're terrible. <laughs> And I've been doing this for over a decade, so I can't imagine. I was going to ask how long you've been doing it for. I started in 2009, and then my first open mic was hosted by Cisco Duran, very funny South Florida comic. Shouts out, Cisco. And uh, I, yeah, 2009, I was hammered, went to an open mic, and I thought I was going to be this like shock jock kind of comic. Because I look the way I look, but I'm very sensitive. But I was like, you know, I was raised Mm -hmm. by women and everything, but I was like, I can't be, I got to be this persona yeah like i have to be the person everyone thinks i am which is like mm. this crazy jock asshole <laughs> alpha dude so i got on stage and like tried to portray it, it was a horrible horrible yeah. material that i look at now and i go because you know i've got all my notebooks and stuff over there and uh-huh. i'll go back and look at that and i go i should just burn all of these like this is <laughs> the worst and then over time like i was the I, this is why i'm so fascinated by what you're talking about because mm-hmm. i was the kind of person when i first started i loved comedy like the art of stand-up mm-hmm. but i didn't treat it like a job or anything because mm-hmm. i was still drinking and partying so like right. i would do like an open mic like every like week or two mm-hmm. and then because it's south florida too it's not like new york where it's like oh if you move here for comedy you're doing com- like you have to do you have to hustle right like it was like yeah it was a hobby it was just a fun thing i was doing mm-hmm. and then i kind of got more serious about it but then my drinking and drug abuse got worse so then 
kind of the line in the sand was in 2013 i moved to oklahoma city with my cousin and he was like mm -hmm. oh we can do comedy every night like we've got so many bars and the oh, looney yeah. bin and everything mm -hmm. so i moved up there and then i was getting drunk so and i was doing so poorly that i was like running the light oh, like i'd be yeah. at a five minute open mic and do 12 minutes oh wow of like an arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> impression and i'd be like fuck off like you come get me off the stage like just hammered oh, man. Yeah. and that's when i i hung it up for about three years after that because I was like, I went to rehab, and then when I came out, I, I started doing comedy. And then when I fell off the wagon, I was like, oh, I can't go back to the person I was in Oklahoma City. Like, I can't do that. Right. So then I took three years off, and then when I got sober this last time, I came, dove back in headfirst and moved to New York. And then I became, when I came back this last time, was very much how you were when you, like, first started doing mm -hmm. it. You're like, no, this is what we're doing. Yeah. So I, how did you end up in New York then? Were you you were obviously in New York before you even started? Yeah, 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 yeah. I had been obviously. in New York for like thirteen years, and I had been doing a lot of different kinds of creative stuff. Mm -hmm. I think I've always like been drawn to like a creative. Yeah. Bend, you're a creative, yeah. But I've, but I also had like the sciency thing. Yeah. I think that I had like the messaging that was like, and it's not from my parents or anything. It was just like society or whatever that I was like, oh, if I want to, I need to, I need to have like a nine to five. Mm -hmm. I need to have like this kind of a job. Yeah. And that's how the I'm society gonna, norm. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like uh, it's been really interesting. I think a lot of sort of what disrupted that for me was getting divorced. Okay. And being a single mom and being like, oh, I don't have any models for like what role I'm supposed to play right now. And yeah. I really like shifted everything. You know, like I, um, I, I think in the first year that I was single, I, I, I doubled my income. And hell like, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> take that. You know who you are. <laughs> um, and I just like really I I started I, at first it was like panic and stuff. like yeah. that. But I started to embrace different things. And I was like, oh, I don't have to be like a mom, a wife. A, you know, I just have to really you don't have to fit into a box. Yeah. But the most important thing is I have to constantly ask myself, is this making me happy? Mm -hmm. And I noticed that like when I'm happy, my son responds to me, even if I'm seeing him less often because I'm busy, if I have joy that I'm experiencing in his presence, I feel, I feel his spirit lift up with yeah. me. You know what I mean? So well, I that's like the same thing in a room. Yeah. yeah if you get on stage true. and you like, because this is something that we run into all the time. I'll get yeah. on stage and if my first joke bombs, the whole set is like, like you can normally, we can work, we can win them back. That is yeah. something that happens. I've heard but that one comic actually will intentionally bomb for the first minute to see if he can dig himself out. out. I've, yeah. I've heard of that before yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like veteran like shows <laughs> like 10 club. times a week kind of comics will do oh, that yeah, stuff yeah. where they're like, yeah, let's see how far I can go down the rabbit hole before I can turn around. Right. I've torpedoed shows before when I've done bits <laughs> that weren't, I don't find that dark and people groan and I go, oh, that wasn't even close to dark material like you guys want to hear dark and i've torpedoed entire sets when i've said something and people go oh and i go yeah. oh no 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 now i'll give you something to groan about but yeah. i mean it's that same kind of energy where like if you have a set and you get up and the first thing you said gets a big laugh you're mm -hmm. that raises you up that raises yeah. the whole room up so it's kind of similar to what you're saying with your son when you're like mm -hmm. going when you're firing yeah you're he's like yeah let's fucking go right <laughs> Yeah, that's maybe so not true. in so many words. Yeah, but. he might not use those words, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about um, how did where are you originally from? Uh, I'm it's so complicated. I mean, I guess California okay. is a simple answer. Yeah, I like grew up in California, but I was like born in Colorado. I went to college in Nashville, um, and then I where I did you go to college in Nashville? Uh, Vanderbilt. Okay. Mm. You went to Vanderbilt? Yeah. God, you aren't kidding. Scientists, <laughs> people, take that, Nate. <laughs> 
Who's Nate? Nate Bargatze, huge oh, Vanderbilt guy. Okay. Big listener. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but um, okay. So let's unpack this. So you go to school. What would you major in? Uh, psychology with a concentration in clinical neuroscience. Okay. So you're a brain scientist. <laughs> so I'm going to keep looking towards the camera. So then you get out and then what brought you to New York? Um, oh, I didn't, I didn't go from Nashville to New York. I went, uh, I first went back to California Okay. and I, I actually had like a bunch of, uh, mental health things that okay. were like big issues. So yeah. I, I was, uh, I was actually like it, hospitalized. Yeah. multiple times for Hell yeah. stuff and then me too uh, yeah preaching to the choir <laughs> and yeah, then I've, um, been, uh, I've been institutionalized quite a few times yeah whether it's for mental health or i mean addiction i guess falls into that umbrella but also yeah. just we call it being baker acted in florida but it's like mm -hmm. you know the same thing 5150 5150 yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. let's talk about it now 72 so, hour hold yeah but minimum yeah. god <laughs> Guys, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. Well, it's only been 48 hours, so we still got some time. Oh, yeah. I was there for two weeks. Every time I went, I was there. Really? The maximum time they could hold. Yeah. The first time I went, it was the 72 hours, but I was super young. And then mm -hmm. the next time, I've only gone twice for that, but then the next uh -huh. time it was a week. It was five days. Mm. And then I was like, come on. Seriously, guys, got to get back to work. Like, they're <laughs> going to take my apartment. This is driving me more insane. Uh -huh. And then, you know, they run the test and they go, all right, you can go. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's interesting. I didn't have, I didn't have a test. I mean, I, I don't know. I, oh, I had lots of tests. It's such a blur, honestly, because it was like, it was five months of this like revolving door in yeah. and out. And, um, was and then, it for anxiety or depression or just like, well, uh, it was, if depression. you don't mind talking about yeah, it. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it, I still don't know exactly what it was, but, um, I think it was depression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like some other issues. It was probably drug induced stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I wound up getting shock treatments at the end of it. And then after getting the shock treatments, I was like better. I never had like another yeah. episode after the shock treatments, but I like my opinion of myself had tanked. And then I, I just started um, like getting high every night all the time. Uh -huh. And then what was uh, your DOC? <laughs> marijuana. Okay. Um, oh, so just regular mixed high. with like everything else. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would that's drug it. of choice for the uninitiated, <laughs> but we're initiated, aren't we, Bruce? Um, yeah. A little Bane, a little Bane. I like to sprinkle in. <laughs> so then this is happening in California. How long does this go on for until you get to New York? Um, oh, well, I, I went to rehab in yeah. Southern California. Okay. Um, where'd you go? You don't, I mean, you know, it doesn't exist anymore, oh, okay. but we did have the I thought guy you were going to say like somewhere in Malibu or something. No, I don't know. It was, it was like, it was not a fancy. Rehab with the stars. I wish it were. No, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was a cool experience. We had, uh, the guy that was leading it was, um, Dr. Dr. Bob. <laughs> you had I talked told about you that story. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy to me. Yeah. And he wasn't a doctor and he wasn't, I don't even know. If He's not that Dr. Bob, Bob either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that was, it was a, like a 60 day rehab thing. And then okay. I got sober and then I stayed sober for nine months. Okay. Then I relapsed and it was during the relapse that I went to New York. Okay. To get discovered. But I had no idea what I'd be discovered for. I okay, so like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the timeline. So now that we understand the basis, like the outline of the timeline, mm -hmm. let's talk about um, when did you start doing stuff? 
whether it's drinking or Mm -hmm. drugs or anything like that like how old were you when that started oh i think my first drink was when i was like two years old okay um and it was like there's this there's this shot glass of wild turkey that i thought was like baby kate style apple juice yeah and so i drank that and then started crying and i feel like that just basically describes that's the baseline that's every 101 wild turkey let's go (laughs) as a two-year-old god It was a mistake. I think my whole family was horrified. You know, nobody was like expecting that to happen. Yeah, you wouldn't expect that. I don't think I'm a recovering alcoholic. I don't think I would expect that to be like around my nieces and be like, I'm just going to leave this shot glass out. And hopefully one of them is going to pound it. So when did you like in high school? Obviously, you got my good mom grades. denies that ever happened. My brother says that he saw it happen. My mom denies it. But yeah, anyway, parents, you know, when are you going to do? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, when did you uh, when, like in high school? Obviously, you got good grades. I'd assume I didn't get that good of grades because Vanderbilt's a hard school to get into. Yeah, yeah, I did okay. I went to a really tough high school though. Okay. I went to a, a really um, intense, like educationally tough. Yeah, like okay. a, I thought you meant like like a rigorous like South Central tough. No, no, it was like a preparatory boarding school. Okay, and so um, it was the the courses were hard. So the fact that I didn't do super well maybe wasn't. Re- didn't reflect that poorly on yeah. me or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you got into Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. Um, you should be proud of that. <laughs> it's a hard. This is a hard school to get it into. A, it is a hard school to get into. I wasn't. I wasn't um, drinking or smoking weed in, in high school. Really, I just because uh, you went to the you went to a very strict all girls school. It was not all girls, oh, it wasn't? but it was very strict. I was. Okay. I was like. I don't know why I thought it was at all, an all girls private school. It's a. Uh, no, oh, maybe that's because we were talking school. about. Okay. I went to an all girls Catholic school for grade school. Okay. And then when I went to high school, it was a boarding school that was co ed. Where was this? Um, this was in Connecticut. Okay. Classic Connecticut boarding school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we had like one weekend where we got to go like you would have like weekends that you could sign out to go to friends houses. Mm-hmm. So the first time that I drank in, in high school, I went to. Um, a friend's a friend's house and we went to this like bonfire uh this was freshman year of high school okay there was like this bonfire going oh on so outside. you got right into it it's not like oh yeah by the time you're a senior you're like now is my chance <laughs> well i didn't uh, yeah uh, i guess like freshman year of high school they had this this bonfire party and we uh we went to it was a college party oh, we were wow. all like 14 Quinnipiac? years old Yale? What college are we talking about? I don't remember. I don't remember anything because we got so obliterated. Yeah. We we drank Bacardi 151 and grape juice. That was our decision to (laughs) mix those things together. That's brutal. Yeah, it was really bad. I remember the only one of the only times I ever drank Bacardi 151. My sister's ex. So this she was obviously they were dating at the time and he Mm -hmm. had Bacardi one and he was like a year or two older than us and he had Bacardi 151 in a flask mm-hmm. and this is when i had started like this is after high school so i had started because i didn't start drinking until late but this is after yeah. high school when i started drinking and i remember we were driving somewhere and he handed it to me and it just just a that smallest amount hit my lips and mm-hmm. it felt like i was on fire like it burned uh-huh. so much oh yeah and i was like how are you <laughs> drinking this like this is insane yeah and then you know, as the drunker you get, the less is, the it, less hurts. it hurts. And you're just like, "Yeah, this is, this is fucking fantastic." I tell you what. Right. So you guys mixed it with grape juice. Yes. And just got. 
And we got, up. I don't know, we just drank, we drank like solo cups full of Bacardi one, like half and half. That's or too much. It was way too much. I, we couldn't walk. All of us were like stumbling, but we were giggling and it was like fun. And then we got to the, um, I remember we went to my friend's room to hide out from her mom because her mom was downstairs. Yeah. And uh, I was lying on the bed and like the whole room was spinning. The and worst. I And I felt like I needed to throw up, but I like didn't want to. I knew that somebody was in the bathroom and I was like, I can't, I can't let them see me throw up. And yeah. I had like, as I was lying on the bed, I developed this plan. Where I was like, all right, I'm going to run over to the window, lean outside the house, throw up. Nobody's going to know that it happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be my secret and then I'm just going to pretend I'm fine. And so <laughs> I remember like I had to rock a few times to like get enough propulsion to yeah. like, stand up and I rocked myself up and I raced to the window and it was closed. So I just smashed into the window, fell on the floor, threw up all over oh, the floor. Oh no. <laughs> I was going to say you still had to throw up. After yeah. you smashed your head. Yeah, yeah. It would happen. It definitely happened. <laughs> and then her mom like came up and was like, what is this? Everything smells like Skittles and Bacardi 151. <laughs> oh, my God. And I just like looked up at her mom and was like, I'm lactose intolerant. That was your. <laughs> yeah. You had it. You were right there. You had the lie locked yeah. and loaded. <laughs> I'm allergic to grape juice. Is what you yeah, I should have. We had gotten ice cream earlier. She was like, why did you get the ice cream? I was like, I don't. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> She starts instead of being like, oh, my God, Katie, are you OK? She just starts calling you on your shit. Well, then why would you even get the ice cream? That doesn't make any sense to me. God. So that was freshman year in high school. Freshman year in high school. And then were you after that? Were you kind of like off to the races or because it was such a strict school? Were you like, oh, this really, is, yeah, yeah. That's right. so I didn't I didn't really drink a lot through high school. I did two trips abroad, like lived in Spain and lived in France for mm -hmm. sophomore and, and junior year of high school. And both of those I, I drank while I was out there. But, okay. um, but what did it get crazy or was it just like, got medium crazy. Okay. I would say. The Nothing reason I ask is my brother lives in Spain now and he's like, mm -hmm. Oh yeah. For lunch, everyone, you know, they give yeah. you four ounce beers instead of like 12 ounce beers yeah. and everyone just has like a beer for lunch. Uh -huh. It's just like a thing that they do. So that's why I right. was like, Oh, well it couldn't have gotten too crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, I think I still kind of, I definitely was overserved <laughs> <laughs> on a few occasions. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be the title <laughs> on a few occasions. Um, so then when does it happen? Because we've been dancing around it, but you've already mm -hmm. mentioned it, you know, mm -hmm. obviously going to rehab and stuff like that. And you talk yeah. about it on stage. So, and uh -huh. that's one of the big reasons why I've been pushing to have you on is just because you, you do talk openly about it. So that's something yeah. I like to share with the listeners. Mm -hmm. When is it, when is it party time? Like when does Katie like, I feel like when I was a level Vander up. Vanderbilt. 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 Shouts out. Yeah. It's a great party school. Yeah. It's like a huge party school. I think it's become more um, academic since I went there or okay. something like that. But it's yeah, because I, mean, I remember Vanderbilt was mm. like within the last five to ten years has been like one of those like, oh, that's a hard school. Yeah. So that's why I was like, yeah, I don't, mm. I wouldn't imagine you partied, but it is college. So yeah. Well, in Nashville. I feel like I, 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 dr <laughs> I drank so much. I consumed a lot of different things yeah. in addition to drinking. And uh, and I feel like I would piss people off <laughs> because I somehow did really well in school. Yeah. Like I was one of those people that would like sit in the back. Yep. 
hungover, like sunglasses Drunk in class. on. Yeah. And then when the test comes around, you're like, uh, first, <laughs> your first one out, and then you get like a B plus or an A minus. And you're like, what's up now? Well, I studied a lot though. Oh, I did mean, you? Yeah, okay. yeah. I feel like I, I worked really hard. But I was, was the just... kind of person where, as long as I sat in the back and took notes. Mm-hmm. I had a weird memory where if, as long as I wrote it down, like yeah. I would always remember it. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, this is before all the concussions and stuff. But uh, <laughs> but so like in school, like as long as I showed up to class mm-hmm. and I was political science and American history. So it's all essay oh, yeah. form. Yeah. And everything's essays. Right. So it's like and I love telling stories. So mm-hmm. like as long as you know how it starts and how it ends, you can kind of bullshit the middle of it. <laughs> um, so it was one of those things where people would study like crazy and then I would literally show up reeking of booze hung over and just be like be the first one out and be like all right later guys and then get like a b plus and people were like fuck you dude yeah and then once my alcoholism got really bad I stopped showing up and then obviously my grades reflected that because if I didn't show up then it was I had no shot right I remember I emailed my teacher one of my professors loved him took every single class that he offered Mm -hmm. and it was my senior year and I was like dude if I don't get a c like I'm not gonna graduate and I went to like two classes and mm-hmm. I would just show up to take the tests uh-huh. and I would fail the test because I didn't have the notes. <laughs> and I remember when my uh, transcript came out, I had a C plus and I was like, this oh. motherfucker, <laughs> my guy, dude. So when you nice. get to what did it happen like off rip, like right when you got to Vanderbilt as a freshman, were you like, here we go? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it was always like very coupled with like depression stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would feel really I when I first got to Vanderbilt, I transferred into Vanderbilt. I went to a different school. I went to McAllister freshman year of college okay. and then I transferred into Vanderbilt sophomore year. Um, and What's part, McAllister? McAllister is a tiny liberal arts college in Minnesota. Okay. Um, God, you're just bouncing around. Yeah, I did bounce around. So you went from California uh-huh. to Minnesota. I went from, well, I was, it's so weird. It's like. Go ahead. We got time. I, don't know, we got I, know, weird about it. I know, I know. I just feel like it's like such a bougie existence. I So my my dad was a novelist, you know, and he was, yeah. he'd written like a bunch of best-selling novels. So we spent. You uh, say that on stage, you go, when you say my dad was a novelist, he, what was it? Like nine out of 15? He wrote. 23 novels yeah. and 16 were bestsellers. I always wanted to, I obviously wouldn't heckle, but I always wanted to shout out and be like, what happened to the other eight? <laughs> oh my God. You know, he wrote a book. I feel so bad. I hope this isn't, whatever. It's He's not going to watch it, but um, but I don't <laughs> think he would. Um, but uh, he he wrote this book about um, what hap- what would happen if they found Osama bin Laden? Like, yeah. what would happen? He wrote this whole novel, like this 400-page... Fictional novel? Fictional novel about, like, what would happen if they found Osama bin Laden. The whole thing about, like, the trials that would follow yeah. and how they would charge him and where he would go to prison. And the day that that was published, he was supposed to have some big... There was some show, I forget what it was. It was, like, the Today Show, Good Morning America. He was going to be interviewed about this book. That day is the same day that Osama bin Laden was just killed. killed. And like <laughs> everything that he had predicted didn't happen. Yeah. You know, like, no, well, that's a hard sell too because yeah. people would buy the book because they'd be like, oh, what let's go happen? into this fantasy because we're, yeah. we're never going to catch this guy. So let's go into this fantasy world of if we caught him, like right. the justice that would come with it. And then he dies and everyone's like, oh no, we... We know what happens. Right, exactly. They shot him in the they, face they twice. Just, they just shot him right yeah. away. And it, like everything that he thought about, like how people would be like, well, what, how do we treat this person? And so he really dove yeah. into it, like yeah. head first, like reason, like so it was fiction, but it was based in reality of yeah. like this oh, is did. how it would work, the Geneva Convention and the Accords and all this kind of yeah. stuff. This is how he would be tried, war right. crimes, the whole deal. <laughs> 
and, and it's like, no, we just shot him. Yeah, he did so much research for it. Oh it my god, like compl- <laughs> none of it. Yeah, he didn't. I don't. I'm think assuming that's one of the eight. That's probably one of the eight. Yeah, yeah. it didn't do too well, but uh, yeah. So what? Ha- we got off track, but so you. So I grew up by coastal. Yeah. So I grew up in California in Martha's Vineyard. Okay. We would spend our summers in Martha's. You were Vineyard. right. This is gonna make you sound bougie. Pretty bougie. <laughs> and then I went. To, well, your dad worked hard for it. Yeah, he did. He did. That's true. And then I, uh, so I went to 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 Catholic school until grade school. I went to boarding school for high school, and then for college, I went to McAllister in Minnesota. Why and, was the, just real quick? Why was yeah. the boarding school? Because your dad was traveling, doing the book stuff, or he was just working um, a lot or I'm well, always no, fascinated oh, no. by this because no, no. it's like, it was something that my parents were actually really had a hard time okay. accepting okay. and being on board but with. it was just it a was good school so I were... wanted to do okay. yeah I mean it was such a weird this is such a weird thing to as a kid I was looking at my like classmates yeah and I felt like everybody was white and yeah. I was like I don't want to go to a school I think it's going to influence my education if i am surrounded by white people throughout my education yeah, and absolutely. so boarding school it's had, systemic yeah yeah boarding school was a place that had a better like it had a, a rigorous educational level and it also had a more diverse population which i know that some people would say is not true i would push but, back when you say boarding school in connecticut but i mean you were yeah. there so no 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 it, it definitely there's the, the the minority population there is a minority yeah. but it's uh but it was there was more diversity than was available in the San Francisco private schools from yeah. what I from what I could tell from what my tours were showing me I don't know You're um, like 12 years old like this just won't do <laughs> This will not do father father <laughs> I mean I don't appreciate I the ratios here <laughs> embarrassed a little bit talking about that but I, I think i don't know it was just like i mean that's that very you know it's very noble that you would be able to be like well to so say but to say uh, yeah. i'm not going to get the right kind of education because i know people growing up in the south i know people where it was definitely the opposite where mm-hmm. they go i don't like going to school with all these people that don't look like me yeah like i don't like this i'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. and stuff and oh, so yeah Oh, so, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's definitely one of those things. Because I went to school outside of Daytona, mm-hmm. so it was very... And I played sports my whole life. So I was... And I talk about this a lot with friends of mine and stuff where I was very inundated into that community of just mm-hmm. like athletics and locker rooms and sports and stuff like that. Yeah. So even though growing up being raised by women and being very sensitive, I mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, push back against like the locker room talk, as it were. Uh-huh. Like it makes me super uncomfortable, which is why I don't Good talk about... You. Well, I don't talk about... No. No, yeah, that's you're not going to that? That's sarcastic. What are you talking no it wasn't sarcastic oh, okay. it was sincere I, I don't do i don't do sarcasm because really. i'm not really well so there's a the thing is like even when i talk about sex on stage i don't really talk about it ever and then when uh-huh. i do it's in a very like awkward like jokey sort of way because yeah. it's like i'm not yeah like, that's I don't, true you don't you don't really, yeah like, i mean the one joke i have about sex is about how bad i am at it because i don't <laughs> i'm awkward uh about that kind of stuff so but i say all that to say like it's fascinating to me when i meet people who are like so not of that mindset of what like mm-hmm. you're talking about where mm-hmm. it's like oh this is a good thing uh-huh. to be raised around these different ideas and cultures and situations yeah. like socioeconomic levels mm-hmm. this is a fantastic thing because then you can perceive things from every different angle right and then there's people who are just like oh no my friends are my friends and that's who i grew up with and i don't associate with anybody else because mm-hmm. we see it in comedy all the time yeah i don't care it's 2023 and i don't care how diverse you say things are yeah when you walk into the stand everyone's separated yeah. for the most part Oh, it's it's like it's terrible crazy. in New York. It's so interesting. I feel like I I, I wrestle with this all the time about like what am I going to do with my. I shouldn't son? say everyone. I just want to. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll get a message from like, someone like fuck you. 
<laughs> no, that's good. That's good. It'll help the algorithm. Yeah. But like, uh, like yeah. Hot <laughs> takes. Talk about controversial things. Yeah. Hot takes. But I mean, and I it's feel segregated like, is what I'm saying, people. Yeah. No, actually, the New York City public school system is the most segregated public school system in the I, country. I've heard people say that it's New York itself is very diverse, but within New York. Yeah. City, it's incredibly segregated. It is. It is. And I think that really shapes the way that kids think, you know, mm -hmm. like it shapes the way that they grow up. Like my son, his first preschool was there were 150 kids and he was the only white kid there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that I think that was good for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it shapes how a kid interacts with people, how he relates to them and how he humanizes other people. You know what I mean? The I one thing like it can get you in trouble with, and I know this mm -hmm. from firsthand experience, is you will feel comfortable mm -hmm. around people of different ethnicities and races. And yeah. sometimes as a comic, you'll say things because they are funny and yeah. everyone laughs. But then there's the one person that isn't in yeah. on it and yeah. they get very offended, Oh, yeah. which is happening. Like I've got a bunch of jokes that work fantastic mm -hmm. in certain rooms and then bomb in other rooms yeah, because true. they're like, oh, you can't say that. But then right. if you do it in the room that you're not supposed to say it in front of, they love it. <laughs> and so it's very funny because it's like, well, what do you mean? I can't. And I've. Yeah. I've gotten into not hot water like on a grand scale, but I've gotten into it with friends or friends of friends or like when I'm hanging out with a buddy and I'll say something and then everyone else goes, dude, you can't say that. And it's like, no, I said it to him and we both laugh. Yeah. Like, I don't understand what the th like, what, what are we talking about? Right. Just because growing up around so many different kinds of people, I just got comfortable to say things. And it's like, yeah. you can't. And it's like. But I wasn't malicious. Like we were joking. Like it was a joke. Yeah, that's true. And I, that's where I feel like again, like the more that people are just like all together and yeah. intermingled, like the the less that kind of stuff would happen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like the people that get really incensed and angry about like you can't say this are often, you know, they're not. You can say it. We know what you want to say. You can say. <laughs> it. <laughs> I feel like it's more white people that like are like don't say this thing. Yeah, white women. I don't. Yeah, probably white the women. Worst. I <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we also I feel like white women get um we get uh the the scapegoated a lot for stuff. Yeah. You know. But um. But it's. I mean, it is true. I know this from firsthand experience. Love my twin sister to death. Everyone knows that. But there's times where I'll say a joke and she'll flip the fuck out, and I'm like. <laughs> Where is my si like we joke about the darkest stuff in my family and I'm like, yeah. who is this person? Right. Like living in an echo chamber on Facebook where it's like, oh, you know, we love this and everyone who doesn't love this is against us. It's like that's a very like Star Wars reference. But it's a very Sith way to look at things and absolutes <laughs> like black and white, like you're with us or you're against us. Right. And so it's just. I understand completely what you're saying where you'll and we were joking about it on the way up. But like my cousin who used to live here would invite all her friends to a show and I'd be like, oh, this is not the right demographic <laughs> for my comedy. Like all these young hot women. I was like, uh, you only like to perform in front of ugly women. No, no, no. I mean, people no, no, who have not. So that was I know good. what you mean. You though. fucking no, no, got I'm me. I'm sorry. Got I know me. what you mean. <laughs> yeah, that's why I go to Drew's open mic so much. Oh, <laughs> nailed it. I'm going to have wow. to cut that out. God <laughs> damn it. Um, no, I don't cut anything. No one listens. Uh, so you have this idea when you're younger, like 12, 13, where you're like, I don't want to go to school with just everyone that looks like me. I want to go to a more diverse. So then you end up in mm -hmm. Connecticut. From there, you end up in Minnesota. And right. when you get to, what was it? McKenzie well, McAllister. McAllister has a 20% international population. Okay. So, it's still so same kind of thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Kobe Anon went there, actually. It was Who? I, I might be mixing up the name with somebody else and now I'm ashamed. <laughs> I, I just didn't. Oh, okay. Is it a scientist? 
I thought it was somebody that was in the UN, but I feel like just to cut oh, all I'm this not out. Gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to. I haven't looked at the I general assembly since I was in I'm so college. Bad I was 12 years ago. All the people. But so yeah. when, when you get to McAllister, was it like party time? Yes. Okay. So definitely. let's talk about, yeah, let's, what, what happens when you get there? So you come from this boarding school, you're a freshman in college mm-hmm. and like the day you show up, are you living in the dorms? You're living on campus and I you're was just living like, in the dorms and my name, go. my name was Katie Blunt. Yeah. And they put me in room 420. <laughs> they really did. That, yeah, I know that did. is a joke, but that's actually like literally what happened. And so, and then I was supposed to have a you roommate. You know, someone in the housing department was like, this is hilarious, <laughs> right? Yeah. Fucking check it out. See what I did? <laughs> Look at what I did. <laughs> Exactly. And I I had a double like I was supposed to have a roommate and I communicated via email with my roommate all summer. My mm-hmm. roommate was from Bulgaria. Name was Marguerite. Um, and then when I oh, got to school, Marguerite. I found out Marguerite was a man. And so he couldn't live in the same room as me. They didn't know it either, obviously. I guess so. So they put him next door and I wound up having like a two person room. As by a yourself. Single. Yeah, by myself. Love it. So I've it had became, that before. Yeah. By accident, but I've had that it's before. Awesome. So I got, you know, I had a lot of people that would come by and just, uh, we started doing a lot of stuff. I remember calling my mom and being like, mom, I realized that like weed, you can just, you can just smoke it and it don't get hung over the next day. And it's just like, I was telling my mom about how great. You were so excited. I was so into it. Well, how did this, how did it even start though? Like, did you have an idea in your head? Because mm-hmm. from obviously your upbringing in the boarding school and it's very strict and stuff. Were you like, oh, when I get to college, I'm going to get fucked up? Like, the reason I ask mm-hmm. is because in high school, like a lot of the people I knew and my sisters and even my older brother, like they would have parties. They would go to house parties. Yeah. And so going to college, it was just an extension of that. Like yeah. now we have less rules. We have less supervision. So mm-hmm. you know how what we were doing like once every couple of weeks. Now we're going to do it all the fucking time. Yeah. But for you, you were not in that situation. Right. I think so, some people were. I think some people in boarding school like it's it, you can you can, I think, get access to drugs there and do all kinds of stuff there. I didn't do that much stuff. I did a little bit of stuff. Yeah. But then you get to but, McAllister and you were yeah. just like off to the right. Ra- like, yeah. The fir- do you remember I- the first time you were like, let's fucking party? Oh my gosh! It was before school had even started. I was yeah. there for like preseason because I played volleyball in college. Yeah. For, oh, did you really? Yeah, but I dropped out to drink. Really, <laughs> I was like, let me leave this so I can. What have age? More time. What position did you play? Um, I was a setter. Okay. Because I started, you know, when I was short, and then I got taller, and I just kept setting. Well, what's the defensive position? They wear the um, different jersey. I don't know. Like in in volleyball, you switch. You just like rotate around. Okay. So everybody, everybody like. I don't remember. Well, the reason I ask is because <laughs> uh, a girl that I knew and like kind of dated. Uh-huh. And when I first got to FAU, go out. Oh, uh, when I first got there, <laughs> um, she like had like it had a special word. Mm-hmm. And that was her position because she was very short, but she played volleyball. But uh-huh. she had like they she literally wore a different color jersey. She was like the defensive specialist, the person uh-huh. who could get under the oh, spikes and stuff. But it was just weird because I was like, wait, mm-hmm. you have your own. You're like the goalie. Oh, yeah. For volleyball. And I guess it was a thing. I'm sure. I That's don't remember the only any volleyball other... knowledge that I have. Yeah, I don't That's remember the, only... the other the other na- the other names for the things. I never played in an actual game. Oh, really? So been... you got there for preseason. You have your, your housing assignment. And I mean, we had a couple games while. I was still on the team, but I never yeah. played. I was okay. always on the bench. Yeah, you're a freshman. Yeah. Well, also really bad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> tomato, tomato. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so do you remember the first time? So the summer, it's before school even starts, and that's yeah. when what yeah. happens? Take us through it. Take us through it. Um. Oh, well, that was... 
I feel like it's so boring. I actually feel also humiliated by it. I that's, I was that's, very that's not drunk. boring then. I lay down in a in a in a field. It how did you a, get drunk though? Like how, you're you're 18. How are you getting access to the booze? Did you? It's in Minnesota. Did you? Oh, I feel like I feel like I shouldn't tell this. Okay. <laughs> All right. If you don't want to tell it, I, I had access to alcohol in a in a in a way. Okay. In a, through my own means, I guess. Okay. I had my own alcohol. I yeah. had my own stash. We'll keep it vague. I will keep it very vague. And uh, and I got very drunk. And I and by I, yourself. Um, I don't remember. That would have been a baller move. If You're I like, yeah, I just got hammered in my alone. room by myself. <laughs> I just, I thought you were way ahead of the curve yeah. as far as problems. I, well, I definitely always wound up alone. Yeah. But like, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> But I went to uh, I went to some party and I remember I laid down in a field. It wasn't a field. It was a it was a front yard. Okay. <laughs> it was a field to me. Yeah. At the time, it felt bigger than it was. I think. And I just laid down. I was like, I can't get up. I can't get up. And I realized as I was lying there that I was laying in someone else's vomit. Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, but I was Gross. so drunk. <laughs> so drunk. I didn't know what was happening. So my a friend of mine, the captain of the team or whatever, found me. And she took care of me. She took, brought me to my room. She laid me on the floor because th- we had those bunk beds and I yeah. was afraid I'd fall out. So she laid me on the floor. She like put a blanket and a pillow down. And then she was like, where's your alcohol? Where, where, where do you have your alcohol? And I was like, it's over there. And so she took all of my alcohol and left me. <laughs> it was like, she's like, I'll help you. I'll help you. And then it was just a way for her to access. Oh, that bitch. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, oh, that so- makes me infuriated. It was a weird, it was a weird night. So, but she, I mean, she helped me take off the vomited on like shirt. Clothes, yeah. Uh, but just the shirt. I just basically took my shirt off and lay down on Getting the floor. Getting started early with I it. I know, I know. And fell asleep. And then apparently everybody got to see me topless because a number of people came in to find me and, and just found me like, Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Shirtless and with no more alcohol. And you would think that that would make me think like, oh, I should stop doing this. Maybe this isn't a thing. So <laughs> what happens? Do you just continue? You So how long is it before you quit volleyball? Um, gosh, I don't remember. I don't remember if it was weeks or months. But it was shortly after the uh, semester had started and you were kind of yeah, having a good time. And you I were don't like, think I, I made do it. I, didn't, I definitely didn't make it to the second semester okay. playing volleyball. But okay. I, and I, then you do a year at yeah. McAllister? And I remember they had this list they posted in the hallway. It was like, they, it was the title was top 10. That was the mm-hmm. only thing for the title. Very vague. And it was one through 10. And the number one person, it was basically everybody was listed in order of like who did the most substances yeah. and like was messed up the most. And so um, I think I was, I was somewhere on that list. I don't remember which number I was, but I was definitely on the list. And I was like the only girl. Hell and yeah. I was so proud of Fuck myself. Yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking yeah. barriers everywhere I go. Hey, smash through yeah. that glass ceiling, sister. <laughs> you know what I mean? But rules the, are made to be broken. Yeah, the guy that was number one on that list. Wound he's up, dead now. I don't know how he's alive. If he is, he did. He did get hit by a truck. Like he went the wrong way on a highway and got hit by a Hammered. truck. Uh, yeah, yeah, like second, the second year there. So I had already transferred out. I wasn't God. there anymore. But I know that that's what happened to him. So I, I that list was. I mean, I'd be interested to like, very see foreshadowing kind of a list. <laughs> it's a dark list. Yeah, God, that's hilarious. Uh, when so when do you, what happens? Why do you decide to go to Vanderbilt? Um, well, partly it was just to be with my boyfriend from okay. high school. My my high school boyfriend went to Aww, Vanderbilt. I know, your high school I know. sweetheart. I know it ended. You are so a romantic. Yeah, well, it's weird. he he proposed to me in our high school yearbook, and um, you said no. Well, it said, "Will you marry?" And the me was cut off. 
Isn't that fun? Isn't that Son ominous? Son of yeah. a gun. No, I I, th- I thought I was going to marry him. I really did. Mm-hmm. And so we, I, I, I went to Vanderbilt. That's where he was going? That was where he was going. I also wanted to have, I felt like McAllister, honestly, McAllister was like, there was no Greek life. It was in a, it wasn't a party place. You know, yeah. it was like a place where people. I've never heard of it, really it. Nice. and yeah. I'm pretty plugged into like college athletics and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not a it's yeah. not a sports place. No, it's yeah. D three. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I went to to Vanderbilt, and um, that was there was like a completely well, it's different a different party life. scene there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing too is what. Because I've had people on who have gone to smaller schools and they're mm. like, yeah, it was like fun. We would party all the time. Yeah. And I even went to a bigger public school in Florida. Uh-huh. Like what we was, had 30,000 kids, school? Florida Atlantic University. Uh-huh. So 30, we had 30,000 kids, wow. but it was a commuter school. A lot of the kids grew up in South Florida and they had yeah. wealthy parents. So they would live mm. at home and then drive to school. Uh-huh. But then I've gone to parties at places like Florida and Florida State, like the mm. University of Florida and Florida State University. Uh-huh. And it's another world. To go to like a big, like a big, like SEC Vanderbilt, mm. you know, I'm sure everyone yeah. in Tennessee tries to go there, if not go to Tennessee. Yeah. So that's like the Florida State, Florida thing where it's like you either go to one or the other if you're from here. Yeah. So I can't imagine. Their list is probably a little different as far as top 10. There was no list. There's no there list. There was no list in that big, like, because it was such a huge school. Yeah. But I feel like I, I, did I you just, disappear into it or did you like what, what happened? Like when you got there, were you like, all right, let's fucking so go. Or I, I definitely got there and just got obliterated all the time. Um, my sophomore year, I wound up withdrawing like partly through the year because mm-hmm. of uh, depression stuff. Um, and I went home and during the time that I was home, my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. And, oh yeah. He's okay. They got rid of it. And then he, um, he, uh, but it was like that thing I think that a man has when it's like, oh no, my dick's not going to work. And he, um, he, he left my mom for another woman. Oh so, no. <laughs> yeah. It was like a crazy period of time. Very, a crazy like, year. Rocky for my family. And so yeah. I, when I started back up my junior year, are you still with the boyfriend by your was, junior? Uh, we were like, we were breaking up, getting back together. Yeah, on again, I'm, off again. I'm sure the drinking had partly to do with it. There were other things I think that were like difficult, but uh yeah i so it's still like a thing it's still a thing yeah and, and when i moved when i went back we were we were living down the street from each other mm-hmm. like he was in one house and i was in a house like down the street um and we called our house the crack shack it didn't have like there was, yeah. there was no 90 degree yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the uh oh, i remember there was this little kid across the street that one of my roommates used to babysit and one night one day we were like lying out on towels in the yard or whatever yeah, and the tanning. little kid was like my mom says you look like white trash. Yes, <laughs> we never like mowed the lawn or anything. Oh my god! So you're just laying in this forest <laughs> of lawn, trying to tan. <laughs> well, your mom might have a point. <laughs> yeah. Touche, young young one. Right. So when uh, what happens? How do you end up breaking up with the uh, high school sweetheart? What was oh. the final straw? You know, I don't know. That was just kind of stop talking. I wish there was some cool story about. No, it. there. I mean, there doesn't have like to be. A crazy. It was like on again, off. It was really bad. Yeah, it was just toxic. Like a bad thing. Yeah, he wasn't talk. I feel like I was a toxic yeah. one. <laughs> I was like a toxic one. <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, Thank you. Um, so then, how did you end up going to uh, rehab? Um, what what pushed you to go eventually go to rehab? This is obviously after college and everything. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I would think that like you would think it would be the stuff that happened in because co- I had a lot of different consequences while I was in college. I got I got beaten up one time. I got like in a fight with the frat brother or something like that. You got beat up by a dude. I got beat up by a dude. Um, and what not, did you not- say? <laughs> what did you say to dessert? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
<laughs> what was I wearing? What were you no. wearing? <laughs> were you asking for it? So on and so forth. So I wish I, I had some friends that were um, heading out and I was like, hey, let me come with you. And then I cut my hands like this and I was like, it's lame in here. That was like what I whispered kind of loud. Yeah. And uh, this guy like he hit my butt, like slapped my ass, but with two hands like really hard. And so I turned around and I threw my beer at him. And then what followed, he grabbed his beer and chased me around the house. I thought I was just going to run away. Yeah. But he got a hold of me and just like went to town. And really? Like, yeah. It was crazy. I didn't see that coming. Um, yeah. No, I, I didn't either. So the, the cops came and there was like this whole thing that happened uh, where, you know, I had to fill out the police report. And yeah. I had to meet with the college and they told me like, please, like he's a young man. You don't want to ruin his life. They told you that? Yeah. Oh, they fuck. Asked, Oh <laughs> yeah this is they, a vanderbilt a vanderbilt yeah messed huh. up <laughs> but they basically were like you know don't don't press char please don't press charges it's gonna mess him up and so i uh after that i felt really self-conscious going out so i just like yeah i just i still oh, that I, fucking pisses me off the, the crazy thing is like i didn't stop drinking yeah i just stayed home and I just I just focused I like diverted everything into my schoolwork, but I was still like getting high and drinking all the time. Just while, by yourself at home. Yeah, by myself while reading articles about neuroscience. That's or, the best. Yeah, yeah. That's good the best. <laughs> I, I I mean I joked about it at the mic the other day, but like people people will frown upon drinking alone. And if you're going to drink, obviously we don't <laughs> drink anymore, but if you are going to drink mm -hmm. and you refuse to try and get any sort of help, if you're like, no, this is my life and this is how it's going to be, yeah. it is so much safer to just do it in your apartment. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's true. I used to have some of my, it's weird because I have that bit where I say, you know, People say my worst day sober is better than my best day drunk. And I say, yeah. what a bunch of fucking losers. Yeah. And then I was thinking about that the other day because it was going on a bunch of different podcasts mm. to promote the one man show. Uh -huh. And uh, oh, let me see. What is it? It's the oh, poster. Wow. Yeah. So cool. It's yeah, so you cool. Appreciate what you do yeah. in life. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, well, I joke all the time about having great stories about drinking. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, let me think back to my favorite drinking. And then the more I thought I was like. Uh oh, because my favorite stories are literally like getting off of work, coming home, having the next two days off, and watching like Burn Notice and Jersey Shore on Netflix <laughs> and doing shots by myself. Like those are my fun stories. And right. I was like, I can't tell that on a podcast. That's not. That's not cool. So for you, yeah. you end up just studying and getting like super into your education, but while yeah. getting fucked up at the same time. Yeah, it was a lot of. Uh I don't know. Can I talk about cocaine? Am I allowed to? Say yeah, of course. I, I feel like I did a lot of cocaine. I, yeah. I re used to refer to cocaine as like academic steroids. Yeah. And I was Adderall. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd be in my, <laughs> I did Adderall too, but yeah. I thought two different things and uh, I, I would do both. Um, At the same time? Yeah. Dude, how does your heart not explode? I don't know. I would, I would, I remember taking a lot of tests and just being like, <sighs> like the whole yep. time I was. <laughs> we have people that come into work now and they'll be like, <laughs> And I go, hey, did you get a lot of sleep last night? And they're like, no, it's my allergies. And I go, yeah, sure, it's your allergies. Yeah. It's my allergies, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I, yeah, so I, I did a lot of that stuff. And uh, What got you into cocaine? I don't know. I think it started just like at parties and stuff okay. like that. And then I was like, oh. Because, you know, obviously mm. the background, you know, your dad's well off and you, you went to mm. boarding schools and stuff. So I didn't yeah. know if that was something you like discovered at a young age. Oh, no, no. My dad never. My no, dad, no, no, not your dad. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying the environments that you that were in with highfalutin Connecticut boarding school kids. Oh, yeah. You would think that I would have encountered. Yeah, I did not. Why I did think that. That's why I, did I said that. I not encounter it when <laughs> I was in. Well, in boarding school, like my, my 
I hung out a lot with my boyfriend. Yeah. Like in the end. But in the earlier part of boarding school, I I had hung out with just like the, the minority group. Okay. And so that was like kind of my peer group. It was a, it wasn't just the minority. It was like I had these three friends and <laughs> we would be referred to as the four corners of the world. Mm-hmm. It was like literally like we had a, a friend from New York. It, it was Puerto Rican. We had a friend from Chicago who was black. We had a friend who was uh, uh, from Hong Kong. And so it's like the, the four of us and yeah. then me. Well, <laughs> but uh, whatever it was it was fun and we would yeah. we'd hang out a lot and it was a very like the united innocent. nations of <laughs> connecticut as it were we were we, but we were so innocent you know yeah. we were like into innocent things we, do you remember the first time you saw cocaine like live and in person were you scared were you like excited like what was the time. gosh i don't know if i remember the first time i only remember because i like i said i was straight edge in high school and then when i got to college uh-huh. i was drinking but like i was just like the drinking guy and then yeah. like weed was a thing but I was such a dork, like in that sense, when yeah. I first saw cocaine, I like f- panicked. Oh, wow. Because I was like, oh, this stuff is really, really bad. And it's like right, like I could reach out and touch it now, yeah. but it's supposed to be horrible, but it's right here. Oh. It was like the first time I saw a gun where I was like. <gasps> I was so the opposite. I was like a demon, yeah. right? Like I remember being in the Bahamas with some friends and they brought this girl back to our hotel room and they started doing cocaine and she was like, I'm not comfortable. And I remember like sitting next to her and putting my hand and being like, it's okay. It's fine. Just try a little bit. Wow. <laughs> like I was such a. Wow. <laughs> you are a piece of I work. Know. Actually, that's so funny. That was what my 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 first ever sponsor. I were you allowed to say sponsors? Yeah, I don't of know. Course. My first ever sponsor used to. In your say super that to secret me. group. In my super secret group, that's used what to I say, say constantly to me, "You're a piece of work." Really? <laughs> I was like, and I used to think she likes me. As someone who sponsors thinks, people, I'm not yeah. surprised that she calls you that. <laughs> You're a real piece of work. You're a real piece of work. <laughs> But it would like die, it would like worm itself into my brain as like a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. I would just like, think, yeah. I am a piece of work. I'm a Picasso <laughs> in this. Yeah. <laughs> Michelangelo in this situation. So then, when did you uh, like? What brought you to rehab? Um, was that, uh, that was, how far out of college was that? Was that a? a it was in the first year out of college. Okay. Uh, and, and was I, that something was, you wanted to do, or something, something you were told yeah, to do? I definitely asked to do it. Yeah. My parents Me too. were. I think my parents were kind of opposed to it. Honestly, I think they were like. Why oh, I didn't have. Oh, I didn't like ask oh, okay. any. I was just like, oh. I have a serious. Like oh, something's okay. wrong. I was like living home, living at home. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was super I was in, dependent on them. I was yeah. telling you earlier, I was in Oklahoma City with my cousin. And long story short, he was like, hey, if you can stay sober for 30 days, I'll start booking you on spots because this is ridiculous. Oh, you're wow. very good at this, but you're mm. you're doing shitty. And I made it 28 days and started drinking. Mm. And this is my one man show, which is premiering this week on Patreon. Woo! Uh, but I remember he came in the back room and he goes like, like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. what happened? And I just remember being like, I don't know. Like I can't, mm, but I have, yeah. like, I can't stop doing this. Yeah. And so then I like I got on the phone, called my mom, like crying. And she was like, look at the back of your insurance card. Mm-hmm. It'll say something for mental health. Call that number. Mm-hmm. And then the, within two days I was in rehab. Wow. That is so But it cool. was, yeah, it was one of those things where it wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of asking. It was just kind of mm-hmm. like, like my dad didn't even know I was going until oh, I was wow. already there because like, I didn't like call to confirm mm-hmm. with anybody. I was just like, I need this. I need to go here. Good for you for having that. How old were you when you did that? Uh, 23. 23. 20, yeah, 23. I think I was also 23. No, I was 20. 2013 is when it happened. I was born in. So I was 25. I was 25. Wait, I was. Oh, mine was. I, I was uh, 2008, I think. Okay. 
Yeah, I was 25 when it happened. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I don't know. Mm Because in college, it's fun. Like, you're partying, you're Mm -hmm. doing it. And then, like, I stopped playing football. And then I was just partying all the time. And then, you know, you graduate by the skin of your teeth. You're Mm -hmm. like, whatever. It was a thing. And then I was just like, didn't, like, I didn't go to law school. I just kept waiting tables. And the next thing you know, all my friends are getting these entry level jobs and getting promotions. And I'm still waiting tables. Right. And, like, trying to do comedy on the side and stuff. And then it just turned into this whole thing where it was like, Oh, I've lost control of this whole situation. Yeah. And that's when I was like, and it was funny too, because when I got arrested for a warrant for a DUI that I had years before that, mm-hmm. I got in front of the judge and I was like, listen, already gone to rehab, already did all that. Like, I've actually been sober for like six months. Uh-huh. And he was like, oh, really? Like, he was just like shocked because he's like, normally oh. we have to force people to do that stuff. Oh, yeah. So for you, it was the same kind of thing though. You were just like, this is something's wrong. Yeah. <clears> it was, it was like a gnawing feeling that I think had lasted for a long time. I mean, in college, I remember I got all these little stickers, these little smiley face stickers. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to try to to put stickers on the calendar. Every day that I don't smoke or drink, I'm going to put a sticker on the calendar. And I was like, if I can get to a month of stickers, I'll give myself a special treat or yeah. something like that. Then you'll smoke and, and drink. And then it turned it and then I'll smoke and drink. And then it was like, oh, wait, actually, let me try to do a week. Let me try to do three days. Yeah. Let me try to do one day. And I never got a sticker. You never got one I never sticker? Got a sticker. <laughs> never got one sticker. I think I think I might have gotten like one or two at one point. But God. <laughs> it was really hard. No, I mean I was in it the was same really boat. Tough. I couldn't go longer. Like the twenty eight days was probably the longest that I had gone. Yeah. It was not probably. It was the longest that I had gone. And I was making a concerted effort not to drink. Yeah. I, at one point when I was even old, like after I had gone to rehab and everything and then I relapsed, mm-hmm. I was living with a buddy of mine. Um, he had just bought a house and me and my ex fiance, she was moving back to, uh, on the West coast of Florida. And I was staying on the East coast of Florida cause mm-hmm. we decided that it, well, she decided that she couldn't be with me anymore cause I couldn't stop drinking, uh-huh. which is the right decision, obviously. But, yeah. uh, I remember I moved in with a buddy mm-hmm. and the first couple months it was like, I was like, Oh, it's only for six months. Like I'm going to save up enough money to get my own apartment again. Cause I had my own, or I've never yeah. had my own apartment. So I was like, I want to mm-hmm. save up to get my own apartment. Yeah. And six months turned into a year and it was fun and we were partying all the time and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then it turned into that thing where I worked in the restaurant industry. So I'd make cash. So like when rent was due, I'd be like, Hey man, I'm a little short. Like I'll get Mm -hmm. you next week. But Uh then I would call out of work for an entire weekend because I was so fucked up. And then he's like, how are you going to give me my rent money? Like you, you're not Mm -hmm. going to work. And it became this thing. So at one point he was like, Hey man, like you can't drink for the next month. If the next mm-hmm. time you drink, I'm going to have to ask you to move out of the apartment. Yeah. Like I'm going to have to give you the 30 day notice and you're going to have to leave. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, no problem. And again, same thing. Made it like two weeks and then started drinking or no, I, I made it longer than that because I remember he said, dude, you only had like a week left. If mm-hmm. you would have not drank for this whole week, I would, I was going to buy you a bottle so we could drink together, Oh. which was super sweet. But I, d- I drank early. And so instead of him buying me a bottle so we could drink together, yeah. he ended up, typing up paperwork to kick me out of the apartment yeah (laughs) and i was like oh that went the other way yeah but it was the same thing like it's so hard to just get a few days together i think when you're in that mode yeah it's really tricky i feel like there's also this uh i don't know have you heard of like the pain body there's this idea that like you if you if you hit your knee on a coffee table you're gonna keep hitting that knee in the same place each Mm -hmm. time i feel like there's like an emotional pain body keep like going through the same the same actions, the same habits. And it's like this carousel where you keep going yeah. on it. And I feel like that's, uh, that's kind of, uh, I feel like there was always a reason, 
You know what I mean? Like it was like there was always like something that was like, oh, I had a bad day today or yeah. oh, I had a really good day today mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever yeah, yeah. it was. There was always something. When I say this all it. the time to people, I say it in meetings to people I sponsor. And I talked mm-hmm. about it with Veronica Garza on the show, but mm-hmm. I always equate my uh, drinking to Neverland in the movie Hook, where the uh-huh. further you get away from it, the more you forget yeah. until it seems like it never even happened. Yeah. So you can't remember what it was like to be in that situation, which yeah. obviously why going to meetings and working with newcomers is so mm-hmm. good because it's like a constant reminder. Yeah. But there were so many times where I would be on my knees crying to my sponsor in the super secret group about <laughs> I can't stand my life. Like, what have I done? And then we would do the work. And then six months later, you know, I worked in restaurants all the time. So I'd make mm. quick cash. And then six months later, I'd be like, I overreacted. Like, I'm fine because yeah. I would forget because I wasn't working with other people and stuff. And then I would just go back to the same cycle. Yeah. Do you think that there are things in your life today that are like on a similar track because I feel like the addiction, the comedy. addictive personality still stays around. Yeah, it's, it's comedy. comedy. But it's, it's 100% like, comedy. Yeah. I do these things and I stress myself out about doing them. I spread <laughs> myself too thin. But like I'm being yeah. serious. But yeah, that, no, no. I'm laughing because it's so, I'm resonating yeah, so hard with that's it. That's yeah. the delusion though. And that's what you have. You have to be addicted to it, I mm-hmm. think, in my opinion, to make it. Unless you're just so good that it doesn't matter. But like for me, I have, I go through these processes where I do I spread myself way too thin for way too long and then I look back and I go this is fucking ridiculous like I should just quit I should move back home Mm -hmm. and then I'm like I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna go at least one day without doing anything comedy related whether it's podcasting or open mics or shows I'm gonna go one day without doing anything yeah and then that whole day I obsess about it and I think (laughs) about it I'm like I really want to do this I really want to do this like I need to get back on stage I need to get a microphone in my hand and then within two days I'm doing something related to comedy again yeah it's literally the exact same thing that I went through with my alcoholism yeah it feels very similar to that but there's something about it that feels weirdly more healthy I don't know why yeah because we're not destroying ourselves or other people around us (laughs) we kind of are sometimes you know like I've definitely seen comics destroy people you know like yeah that's true but I think it's healthier just because it's one of those things where there's an end you can't be for lack of a better term a professional drinker yeah but you can't be a professional comedian that's true The, the Maybe, <laughs> maybe someday. Maybe some, I haven't. I haven't hit there. I quite. was talking to someone on the phone the other day, and they go, "Yeah, well, maybe in like five to ten years it'll work out." And I was like, five to ten years? You've I'm at year twelve. I've been doing, doing it twelve years. Yeah. No, you're, I was you, like, we're past that point. You're buddy. yesterday. You're yeah. you're in it now. I'm like, well, it, it's like this year. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like this year. It would be the five to ten years. Yeah. And I was just. I remember I called my girlfriend after I had that conversation, and I was like, "Can you believe this? Like, what's?" <laughs> What is wrong with people? I think it is so messed up that people talk about this whole five to ten year thing. Even if it is like even if it's generally the case, I just feel like it's a way I, I've only heard people say it to me like, oh, would you just wait five to ten years when they're not in a place yeah. where they're succeeding? Everyone. Well, yeah. not even that. They're not in a field to where you could succeed in the same manner. Yeah. Like you get your designated promotions on the designated time with your designated raises. Right. Like you don't understand like how your life could change in an instant. You're just not familiar yeah. with that, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But like, don't tell me five to ten years when tomorrow someone could see a clip of something or see me at a show or see you at a show and be like, Let's sign her up. See, the vice president of show business is here. We're going to sign her up. She's going to be a big, big star. That could happen. That could happen. I don't know why I never think that's going to happen, but I feel oh, like. Oh, me neither. Yeah, yeah. But there is like, there's something about doing comedy that feels similarly destructive mm-hmm. and and similarly um, engaging yeah. and like compelling. And it's it's just so hard to to resist it. I also feel like there's just, 
I think there is something about having lived lived a life that has gone into different places. Yeah. Uh, where you you have so much material to draw from. You know. I love it. I people to uh, you know I say it a lot, and people have asked me like, oh, well, if you could go back and change something, what would you change? And I know Eric Walsh has that bit, and I think about that kind of stuff all the time because it's like, oh, nothing. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard sometimes because like, you know, again, I talk about it in the show, but it's like, you know, I watched the person that I proposed to my one and only someone, the person I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Mm -hmm. I had to watch via social media of her marry somebody else. And it's like, yeah, that's fucking hard. That's very difficult. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but I got a lot of good material from <laughs> that. So. Yeah, that's so true. And she was going to leave either way because yeah. I couldn't stop drinking. So it's like, is that really like, <laughs> like I think about all the time if I would have gone back to that faithful night where mm-hmm. my sister was having a party and I was like, okay, I'm going to drink for the first time. Uh-huh. And if I would have just told myself like, don't like you, you haven't drank this whole time. Like don't start now. Yeah. Like how much different my life would be. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, as much as I love stand-up and what we're talking about, like yeah. I don't know if I'd want that life. Mm. To, to be drinking again? You no, mean? no, no. Or to to be, be like if I never started drinking. Mm. Yeah. Like if I would have kept going with that straight-edge thing and like gone to college oh, yeah. to play football and then ended up going to law school. And the whole time I was just like, that's not me. I don't drink. Yeah. Like how much different my life would be. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, well, here's the here's what's so and bringing it back to like the whole climate change. Full thing. circle, baby. Full, full circle to climate change. So, like, one of the problems with our society is that we don't have anywhere to put our waste. Mm-hmm. Like, in every natural organism, the waste product becomes a resource for something else. You expire CO two, that becomes a resource for a tree, mm-hmm. right? Like, so. So I keep the plant in the studio. Oh, very nice. <laughs> so we don't we don't have that in most of our societal stuff, but I yeah, feel like waste, yeah. I feel like creative get to take their waste products oh, yeah. and turn it into a resource. And Hell I feel yeah. like that's what's so cool about about any kind of creative enterprise is that you can take the horrible things that have happened to you and and turn it into something that you can share with other people and feel more connected at the end. That was know? the whole that was the whole basis for the show. The yeah. writing the one man show and doing that was like yeah, this is really sad at points and it's really it was really hard. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I can put it out there and then people can see and I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um there are certain people who are like, you didn't need, like, you could just go to meetings and share your story. You didn't have to make it a whole who, production. Who said that? Was, who, who said that? I'll that's, tell you off mic. But I was like, <laughs> that's I was like, oh, you're not. That's because you're not in this world. Like you're not in like I had a platform, yeah. so I wanted yeah. to use it to help people. Yeah. And then it I, turns into this whole discussion of ego versus service versus. Okay, okay. I have uh, so I'm no longer in that secret group. Yeah, super secret and, society. Uh, super secret society, and I have I have a lot of issues with it actually, and I've I've written the screenplay about it because I think it gets I think anybody can take anything and warp it. You can yeah, take yeah. any kind of beautiful spiritual idea, and somebody can take a hold of it and warp it into something like menacing. And I I just feel like anything that's I don't know. People love to talk about ego like it's, oh, you got to destroy your ego. You got to have no ego. I feel like what you're doing is you're creating something that people who aren't already in that world, right? Like you're the platform that you're using allows people who might be kind of thinking about cutting back to maybe take a look at something like that. And also totally different vehicle. My biggest problem was as a six foot one, 230 pound grown ass man, (laughs) I'm crying on camera. For the world to see. Yeah. That's a pretty ego destroying thing. And that's a good thing. I I've feel had like people message me and be like, I can't that. believe you cried, you fucking baby. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like boys need to see that. Yeah. You know? No, it's okay. Yeah. Plug everything one more time. 
plug everything one more time. Yeah, uh, we're at the hour. Oh, milk and cookies. You're gonna have to come back. Uh, we gotta get into rehab. Oh yeah, I'd really love to. Yeah. <laughs> milk and cookies but comedy, everybody. Westside Comedy Club. June, July, July 9th. July 9th, God, August 6th. Fucking good at this. Oh yes, I you are very that. good. And then what's your uh, what? When's your thing coming out? This will come out Monday. Monday. A week from today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so exciting. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, at Brennan T. Comedy on all social media, BrennanTComedy.com. Check out the one-man show that'll drop this Wednesday, 3 p.m., uh, May 31st, which is also <laughs> the, the five-year anniversary of my sobriety date. And what? Wait, what? It comes out May 31st, which is actually the five-year anniversary wow, of my sobriety date. Yeah, congratulations. It's very meta. Do That's them. so exciting. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, and thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. Thank you. Boom.